0: Thank you for joining us today at Life Point Church. We believe Sundays are an opportunity to know God. For more information, including locations, service times, and small groups, please visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. Let's jump into the message. What's up, Life Point Church? How y'all doing today? Come on now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you came to church, everybody? Man, welcome to Life Point and happy uh, Martin Luther King holiday weekend, everybody. I'm thankful to celebrate. Uh, tomorrow, I've always loved this holiday for a number of reasons, what Dr. King stood for, of course, and he and I share a birthday, so I always got a day of school for my birthday. It was really for me and him together. Praise the Lord. Yeah, thank you for joining us this weekend and f- surviving the uh, snowstorm that we had last night. I don't know what that is, but anyway, we're glad you're here. If you're new with us, especially, I say welcome to you and welcome to LifePoint. My name is Mike Burnett. My wife, Stephanie, and I are honored to serve here as pastors and everyone joining us online and at our Austin Peay State University campus. We love you guys. Can we just say hello to our whole church family, everybody, and welcome our guests. Come on now. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I, I've got a couple like kind of housekeeping items for you. But before I do that, as your pastor, I I wanna repeat what I shared last week that I just really believe in my heart is a word from the Lord for our church for this year. If you haven't written this down, I wanna ask you to write this down. Um, I felt in my study just during this 21-day fast, I keep coming back to this text in Luke chapter six. So I'm gonna give it to you every week during this fast, so one more week, obviously, next Sunday. But I I want us to get this text in our spirit, like let this kind of, Permeate what we do this year. Luke 6, 46 and 7, Jesus asks a crowd of those following him, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And I just believe that is a word from the Lord for life point for you, for all of us, to really evaluate our whole lives this year. And let's have some great reset in our lives with the Lord and and, and what we do to obey God. I read a post this week. It was a guy he was writing about. Um, Jesus is not impressed with the Catholic church, the Anglican church, the Pentecostal church. Jesus is building his church and he's asking us to believe in him and to follow him. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and I do what I say? And then he gives these three statements, kind of a progress. Look at the structure of this. He says, everyone who comes to me, who hears my words and does the words that I say, does them. He's like a man who builds his house on a rock and his life will thrive and survive. So I'm feeling very convicted about this passage and I want all of us to embrace this text as if Jesus is saying it brand new to all of us at LifePoint Church this year. During this 21 days, I wanna challenge you to reset your affections back to the word of God. Can the Bible be more important than national news and social media for us? Can the Bible become like an authority in our lives again? Come on, everybody, he is the living word, Jesus Christ, and he's given us his word. I wanna ask you to reset your affection for the word of God. I wanna ask you this year to reset your affection for the lordship of Christ, that he's the boss and the Lord and the ruler and the master of every area of your life. And I wanna ask you to reset your affections to following him and his word with your whole heart. We had these bracelets made for you, they're available in our lobby, and they have those three words, pray, listen, move. That's the order of operations for a Christian. Anybody remember math class, getting the order of operations, right? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. Well, the order of operations with following Jesus is come to God, hear from God, obey God. In the the West, in America especially, like we don't like authority, we don't like people telling us what to do. We literally built a country on don't tell me what to do, England. Like it's kind of built into us. We're super independent. We declared independence, but we don't declare independence from the Lord. And many of us like to do what we want and then tell God what we did or hope he didn't see it and then pray if we did and we feel bad about it. We're gonna come to the Lord, hear from God and do what he says. We're gonna pray, listen, move. As Lord of our lives, we follow his word, we follow his commands, we obey the Bible, the teachings of the gospels. As follower of Jesus, his church matters. You can amen at any time. As followers of Jesus, his church matters. Giving like he tells us to matters, forgiveness matters, purity matters, holiness matters, sexual morality matters, leading your home matters. Your work ethic is not just dependent on company policy and what your boss is saying, your work ethic is because you follow Jesus. Submitting to authority matters, because God told us to do it. You can't say, well, I'll submit as long as I agree. I'm not gonna submit to any authority that causes me to sin or violate other people but I do put on my seatbelt and I am working on following the speed limit and we need to submit to authority. But listen, you, God's giving you a boss for a reason. Many of us in this world, like we hate authority. We go, I'll do all the rules I agree to. And can I tell you that's rebellious? All of these things matter and are part of, why do you call me Lord, Lord and I do what I say? I believe this is a word from the Lord for our church for this year. Does that bear witness with your spirit, Life Point? Lord, would you help us hear your word fresh today? It is a Rhema word, an anointed word, a living word for Life Point. We receive it from our King, we receive it from our Master Jesus. And Lord, you always have the privilege to speak hard things into our lives because we know it's good for us. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, just a couple things for you as you're uh, just taking notes and kind of tracking with what's happening in our church. We are launching a brand new semester of small groups and we want everybody in our church to do small groups. We like to say here, Sundays are the biggest thing we do, but small groups are the best thing we do. And I don't think you're really a part of our church until you're in a small group. Otherwise you might be an observer, a faithful Sunday watcher, but small groups is where life happens. It's the best thing we do, I promise you. And so I wanna ask everybody in our church to launch into a small group this semester. Find the ones with good food if you need to, I don't care. Hey, all of you groups that are struggling to fill up, put pictures of your cuisine, that would help. Um, Anyway, we've got them all over town. We've got different age groups, married, singles. We've got uh, certain groups on campus. Mondays and Tuesday nights, we host some groups on campus. Groups like Grief Share, Divorce Care. We've had a lot of couples go through divorce care after divorce and even remarry because God healed them and brought them through some things. We have a, a family, a blended family small group, which is going, which is just amazing. Financial Peace University. All of our groups are listed on our website. And if you're ready to host a group, I didn't say teach it or preach in it, but just host a group with curriculum. We also have some training for you every Sunday this month. They're actually meeting in my office for that training during every service. You can go there after this service for that host training if you feel like the Lord stirring you in that. Uh, We are on day 14 of 21 days of fasting and prayer. How you guys doing on your fast so far? Look at you still alive. So proud of you guys, seriously. We have one week to go and it's been great. Let me just set all of you free from any guilt, shame, or condemnation about fasting. God's not more impressed with you because you fasted. He's not angry because you didn't. Fasting is you disciplining your body to give more effort to prayer and worship. But I wanna challenge everyone in our church to go this last week and let's push in through this last week of fasting and prayer in some way. If you've not started yet, you can still join. If you broke your fast, let's finish the fast. Let's jump back in. Listen, you can fast a meal a day, your favorite foods, whatever it is. The purpose of fasting is to increase your prayer life. It's not to get your beach body back besides it's too cold. The only reason I want you to have a perfect six pack is if you stand out and show it in the winter. That's the only reason your motivation for fasting should be about your body is if you show us all in the snow. Anyway, I'm kidding, fellas. Please put your shirt on. But remember, fasting without prayer is just starving. Don't do that. Speaking of prayer, I wanna invite everybody this week. We are meeting every Monday through Friday, every day during the week from noon till 12.45. We will meet tomorrow as well. And I wanna ask everybody to make your way to the church from 12 to 12.45. If you can't get here physically, get on Get like, just carve out that 45 minutes and just spend time in prayer. We're praying every day and it's an amazing time of prayer. So take your lunch break and have a prayer break. And then next Sunday night, our night of worship is gonna be slamming. Aren't you thankful for our worship team, everybody? They just lead us so well every time. By the way, they got here and high school kids got here for our choir today. 5.45 in this cold weather, they got here this morning. So I'm just so grateful for our production team and worship team and many of you that are volunteering early mornings. Thank you so much. Uh, Finally, as I always do, just thanks for being generous. We're a church that believes in tithing. We bring our first 10% to the Lord and we give that to God through our church. Let me encourage you this year to get this settled. And, And I wanna challenge you with this. This may seem a little harsh or opportunistic. Some people say, well, I tithe to all these charities, but the Bible tells us to bring the tithe to our storehouse And if a charity is your storehouse, fine. But nobody's charity is their storehouse. Where do you get the word of God? Where do you do life in your spiritual walk? It's in your church. And so let me encourage you to be a full tither through your church. And also during this 21 days, we've partnered again with Convoy of Hope to provide clean drinking water to families and people around the world through uh, water filters. These water filters are $25 and they'll filter up to a million gallons of water if properly maintained. And these, if, if you can purchase one of these for every member of your family. We're gonna do some amazing water giveaways in the next two months. Also with Convoy, they're digging wells, they're putting in irrigation systems and farms around the developing world. In fact, we have a brand new focus on West Africa in the Sub-Saharan desert area. There are places that have not seen rain in five years. You're gonna actually hear a lot about that next week. I'm gonna bring some stories and you're gonna hear some stuff about how your are giving to clean water is really making an actual difference. You're gonna see it, you're gonna see faces. But I'm just telling you, I'm asking you, whatever you're saving financially through fasting, would you give that next week and the following week towards our clean water initiative? And I just love the, the marriage of the spiritual discipline of prayer and fasting to the discipline of compassion around the world. Listen, Jesus said, if you wanna do something for me, here's what he said, if you visit a prisoner in prison, if you clothe the naked, feed the hungry, or give a cup of water to the thirsty, Jesus said, it's as if you're doing it to me. So every time I buy a water filter, I'm just like, Lord, have all you want, man. If you, you give food, you serve at disaster relief. It's as if we're doing it unto Jesus. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So thank you for your giving to clean water as well. Okay. Here we go, sermon time, everybody. We are in week two of our January series called I Love My Church. Can somebody say I love my church? Love church. Do you mean it? Yes. Come on, make your brother feel good up here, everybody. I love my church. Hey, I preached this, one of my first series when I became pastor here back in like 2011 or 12, and we had some shirts branded. So this is vintage wear, Life Point Church, but I, somebody brought this for me to show, look at that logo, look at that logo. Back of it had a, had a a lifepointclarksville.com, the longest website on the planet. Anyway, this is OG, we did not have shirts made this year, we probably should, but we didn't, um, because we're trying to build a building anyway. However, we had some stickers made for you good drivers, and um, that was passive aggressive right there, but we'll have them either next week or the, the last week of the series which I'm really excited. We're working towards getting our annual report for the closing message of this series so you can see all the things God did last year and see some vision for where we're headed next year. God's doing some cool things in our church, you guys. I'm excited to share that with you. I just wanna rant for a couple minutes about the church, not just Life Point Church, but the local church in general. I believe in the local church. I love the local church. In fact, I agree with what Bill Hybels said years ago, the local church is the hope of the world. My pastor, Chris Hodges says it like this, the local church mobilized is the hope of the world. I believe the local church is the hope of a city. We saw that when disaster struck Clarksville with with a tornado, it was the local church that ended up leading the way. And in fact, we are still leading the way and serving in our city. The county and the city officials have handed all the responsibility of, of cleanup projects and disaster relief, which we are still doing, back to the local churches. I believe the plan of God is the local church should be the fullest expression of God's love, God's will, God's plan, God's word, God's heart, and God's hope for all people. The church is the mouthpiece of the gospel. There's no other organization ordained by God but the church to present the gospel to the world. Did you know there's no NGO, there's no nonprofit, there's no feeding program that is called by God to be the mouthpiece of the kingdom of God but the local church. I believe in the local church. It'll never die. It'll always thrive, continue growing. And as long as there's lost people in the world, there is a need for more local churches. We have the message of eternal life and hope for all humanity. I love the local church. I've given my whole life to this thing. And I believe God is perfect. And the local church is not perfect. Come on, as long as it's got people like us in it. We got our problems. Can I hear an amen, everybody? How many of you ever met some church folks you're like, you need more of what they're preaching? (laughs) Don't raise your hand or point to anybody in this room right now. As long as people belong to the church, we have imperfect people serving a perfect God in an imperfect organization called the church, and that's the way God designed it, that he uses people with clay feet to change eternity. I believe that we're called, though, to be salt and light in the world. Hey, your life ain't perfect, but you still got a God who is. Can I tell somebody something real quick to set you free? Some folks have been offended by Christians and dipped out of the church. That is incredibly immature. And it's something we need to grow out of. Do you get offended at Walmart every time a, a cashier's mad or somebody takes the last turkey in front of you? and go, I can never go to a grocery store again. Are you kidding me? Forget it. You ever had a bad visit to a dentist where they ripped teeth and bones right out of your head and you go, "I'll never go see a dentist again. They just offend, no. Don't hold, something like, yep, I'm never going again. <laughs> Dude, look at me. Listen, this is a grown up statement. Don't hold God accountable for his bad folks. We don't always get it right. We kind of mess up. We're all jacked up. Like, people say, well, I don't want to go to church. It's full of hypocrites. So's Target. That's right. I had somebody tell me a couple months ago. They were confessing, Pastor Mike, I used to go to your church and, and it said, it's not my church, it's yours. And he said, but I don't go anymore, why? And he said, well, you had a preacher there once and I Googled him and he had some history. And I was like, well, don't Google me, bro. <laughs> you won't find anything because I'm pretty low key. But he said that there's just hypocrites in there. And I looked at him and I said, are you a hypocrite? He goes, of course, I'm a terrible hypocrite. I said, well, then let me get away from you because I can't hang with you right now. He's like, what do you mean? I said, the same thing that you just said to me. You can't hang out in a room full of hypocrites when you are one? That was a big eye roll. Did y'all see that? Listen, the God that we serve is perfect, but we are not. And we're very clear about that. It's okay not to be perfect, but it's not okay to stay that way. Can I hear an amen, everybody? but we're still called to be salt and light. We're the church, we're to love God and live life in such a way that we cause thirst in others and we shine so bright for Jesus that people go, I want the light and the life that you have. I've titled the message today, I love the vision of our church. We're gonna talk about what it means to have vision and what we're inspired to do as a church. But here's why, Ephesians 3.10 says that it's through the church that the manifold wisdom, the multi-layered wisdom of God might be made known. Did you know the gospel and the kingdom and the, the proclamation of what God's doing in the earth is not proclaimed by presidents or seminaries or, or, or colleges. It's proclaimed by the body of Christ. And look at me when I say this, not just me, we are the church. I believe the church is not a building. The church is not a denomination. God's not impressed if you're Catholic, Lutheran, Episcopalian, Presbyterian. God's looking for people who are not just Pentecostal or Baptist, God's looking for people that love Jesus, love his word, love his kingdom and love the mission of God. The church is not a brand, it's not a style, it's not a set of modern or ancient traditions. It doesn't matter if we sing hymns or praise choruses, if we're singing on microphones or singing in choir lofts. It doesn't matter, church is not where we gather anyway, It's who gathering when we gather. The church is you and me. We believe the church does not exist for us, but we are the church that exists to reach the world. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are the church. Life Point Church is the, is the brand you carry of the church, but we belong to the church of Jesus Christ around the world, and listen, you are as saved as the next saved person in the next saved gathering of Christians in other churches. But if you belong to Jesus, you are the church You have a mission and you have a vision for what we're doing. And I wanna teach you that today. I can go on and on about the church. Honestly, I love the church. I love the church. I've committed my life to serving the church. I will work for the church and the body of Christ for the rest of my life. But very specifically, I love this church. I love LifePoint. Stephanie and I love you so much. Our team loves you. We pray for you. We feel called by God to serve you and to lead with vision. Last week we talked about loving God's mission to reach the lost, to see people saved, to follow Christ. Today, we're gonna look at the vision of the church. You ever have people, it's January, so people are writing vision boards. They're saying, this is what I wanna see happen in my life this month, this is the, the plan I've got, this is what I believe God's put on my heart. Anybody do vision boards? Okay, good. You ever met people that have a big idea but no plan to get there? Well, I believe we have a big idea. We say that our mission is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Christ, but we need a plan to do that. We need a strategy. Uh, you, if you say, I, I have a friend one time, he was in like 19 years old and he was meeting with a family and they asked him, what do you wanna do with your life? And he said, I wanna be a multimillionaire. He talks real a country. I wanna be a multimillionaire. And the, the wife of the couple that was meeting with him said, well, how much money have you saved? And he goes, none. And she said, how do you plan to be a millionaire if you don't save any money? He goes, I don't know, it's just gonna happen. I just believe it's gonna happen. God put it on my heart. And she said, you need a plan, have some pie. And then she sat with him and began to teach him. But I believe God not only has a what we do, but a how we do it and a plan and a strategy. So today what I wanna do is I wanna do a little bit of theology teaching here. I wanna go high and and show you the nature and character of God when it comes to, to, to how he organizes things. But then I wanna be real practical about how we've done it and how you can get involved with the vision of your church. First thing I want you to do, write this down. Please take notes in these services, by the way. First thing is God is a God of order and a God of structure. Part of our understanding of the nature and character of God is that he is a God of order and a God of structure. Think about this. God created everything from nothing. He did it in a certain order, and he he created everything as he determined with direction, with order, and with specificity. And every part of his creation has order and structure. God never looked at something and was like, wow, that was great. Wow, I didn't even know I did that. Everything, listen, I know modern science wants to say we all evolved from a but that's just not true. We were created by God, the world was created by God, he's the creator of heaven and earth and everything, in the earth and over the earth and under the earth, and he did everything with order, structure, purpose, and specificity, because God is a God of order. He's never surprised, he never does anything on accident or by happenstance, and he never looks at himself or the son of the Holy Spirit and goes, why'd you do that? If you get into the study of biology, Anatomy, Earth Sciences—you'll start seeing the ordered nature of God in His creation. It's amazing how precise, brilliant, and exact God's creation is. We serve an amazing, wonderful, awesome God. If you want to see the amazing nature way that God is structured in order, study the eyeball. One thing that really set me free in college, I was wrestling with my faith a little bit. I was wrestling with you know, secular teaching on, on evolution and Darwinistic evolutionary theory. And, and then I'm wrestling with the scripture says God created and I was in an anatomy of the voice class. I did my undergrad in music uh, performance and I was in a, a, a class on the anatomy of the voice, the actual voice box and the muscles in the throat and all that stuff. And there's, there was this moment in class where I, I'm telling you, Sarah Searle was my professor and she was teaching on the epiglottis. And I feel like the Lord said, like as a proof for me of how brilliant and specific he is. The epiglottis is this involuntary flap that you have a, um, uh, an esophagus, a windpipe, and a stomach pipe, your gut and your lungs, right? There's these two tubes that go in front of each other and they're right beside each other and your mouth is the entrance to both of those. And you right now as you're breathing have a little flap that sits over your gut to keep you from breathing air into your stomach. And then every time you swallow, whether it's coffee or saliva or food, that involuntary flap goes over your windpipe so you don't choke. I was sitting there as a 19-year-old kid in college, wrestling with the divinity of God and the creator of the universe, and I felt like the Lord said I'm so specific on little things like that little bitty flap to keep you alive. And I was like, God, you're so brilliant, man. I would have never thought of keeping a flap clear from the other flap, you know what I'm saying? Like I, God's so specific, study the eyeball, no camera on the planet has ever replicated what the eyeball can do. That's how great is our God, y'all. But he does everything with purpose and intentionality. Listen, he is amazing. God is not chaotic, he's not confusing, he doesn't do anything by happenstance. And some of you need to hear this for your own life because your world may be in chaos and you're going, God, where are you? God, where are you? And some of us are just spun up in a world of chaos and storms that we create, but we're blaming God because we believe in him. And some of us need to know what the scripture says in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. Another translation said, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Nothing he does is confusing. Nothing he does is chaotic. We serve a God of order. We serve a God of structure. We serve a God of specific brilliance. And some of you, your lives are in chaos, your family's in chaos, and some of you just need to cast the devil and the flesh out of your house and say, we serve a God of order, not of confusion and disorder. But I want you to see the nature of God. This is a character statement of God, 1 Corinthians 14. He's not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. Uh, Can you just look at me for a second while I say this? God is never sitting in heaven going, how can I ruin this guy's day today? God's never sitting in heaven going, hey, let's throw throw a few spikes under their tires just for fun. (laughs) Come on, Gabriel, push some buttons in her life. Never. God is good to you, he loves you. Look at me, God's not mad at you. If your world is in chaos and disorder, don't blame God for that. Look to God to get out of that. Watch this, I just want you to see this. He's good, he's calculated, he can be trusted. Let me just show you some high view scripture here, Jeremiah 10, 12. It's God who made the earth by his, look at these three words, talk about some structure. God made the earth by his power. He established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding, he stretched the heavens. Look at this, by his power, his wisdom, and his understanding, God created the whole universe, the entirety of the heavens and the earth and everything in the earth by his, Power, his wisdom, and his understanding. The power is the spirit of God. The, 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 understand, the wisdom is the word of God, is the son of God, and the understanding of God is the full picture of God the Father overseeing everything. There is order and purposeful design in all that God does. Why does this matter? Well. Colossians chapter one, Paul's writing to the church at Colossae and he's trying to refute some of the pagan ideology, these ideas of Gnosticism in particular, that Jesus was a man who became a divine being, right, and and some other traditions that call themselves Christian even believe that Jesus was a man who became God. Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism have uh, variations of that doctrine as well, they're not Christian faiths but nonetheless, they say those kinds of things. Well, Paul is writing to refute those Gnostic beliefs about Jesus. In chapter one, verse 16, when he says, for by him, Christ, he's talking specifically about Jesus. Look what he says. For by Christ, all things were created. How do you be eternal? if you How is anything created by someone that's not already there? So Jesus wasn't a guy who was born 40 years prior to this and became a God. He was created. Creator from the beginning. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authority. Look at this. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, and he is before everything. And in him, look at this structure and order. All things hold together. Anybody remember that song when you were a kid? He's got the whole world in it. Come on. Anyway, (laughs) have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten that God is so good and structured and ordered that he still has it all in his hands? Everything's created by him, for him and through him and in him, all things hold together. Somebody needs to be like reminded and encouraged on this January 14th. Your life is not out of his hands. He sees you, he knows what's happening. We need to look to him instead of blame him. We need to call upon him and run to him in this time of fasting and prayer and be reminded that the Lord holds all things together in his hand because he's a good God, he's a loving God and the order and structure is on him, not on you. Okay, I'm back to preaching about... The vision. So God's a God of order and structure. He's a creator of heaven and earth, creator of all. What's that got to do with our church? Because God is also the one building. He's the builder of the universe, and he's also the builder of his church. And God has given us a plan and an order about that as well. But let me tell you where Jesus said it. I'm gonna build my church. He's in a meeting with his disciples one night, and he says to them, who do people say that I am? And they go, well, some think you're Moses, back from the dead, or Elijah, John the Baptist maybe, they don't know. And Jesus looks at his disciples, he says, well who do you guys say that I am? Peter steps up and he says, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the savior of the world, and you are the son of the living God, which is a confession that you are God in the flesh. And Jesus says, there it is. And I'm giving you Mike's international version here, so just roll with me for a second. Jesus says, Peter, your daddy didn't teach you that. Because his daddy was a Jewish man, he would've taught him a Jewish traditional way to see God. He said, but the Father in heaven taught you that. And he said, and upon that confession, what you just said, I will build my church. Listen, I know I'm a church planner, I'm a revitalized pastor, whatever. I'm not built, this isn't my church, and I'm not the one building it. I'm stewarding it and I'm leading it as the shepherd in the house. But Jesus, is building his church. And what did he say I'll build it on? The confession that Jesus is the Christ, the only way of salvation, the Messiah, the savior of the world, and he is God, he is the Lord, the boss, the king over everything. Do we still believe those two things? Do we still believe those two things? Then Jesus will keep building his church with us. As soon as we let those things down where he's not in charge and he's not the savior, the only way of salvation, the Lord goes, I can't build with those people. Hello? People go, why do churches closed down all over the place? Well, sometimes we stop believing the confession that Peter made. You are the God forever, the savior of the world, and you are the Lord over everything. But when we keep that front and center as a church, and we will, I promise you, as long as I'm the pastor of this place, God will build his church. Look what he said. On this confession, I'll build my church and hell will not prevail against her. Did you know drama can't destroy Jesus? Hello, everybody. Hell will not prevail. I will give you, watch what he even promises. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and even whatever you bind on earth shall be bound on heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have the authority to bind and loose in prayer and to call upon God and walk in divine authority because we keep him first, front and center in everything we do as a church. And Jesus says, I can build with those people. Whew, I, need some water. I need some water. I'm getting a little fired up here, y'all. I don't even know where it's coming from. Praise the Lord. What does that have to do with us? Because I believe Jesus is building his church here. I don't know about you, but I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be a part of something that the God of the universe, the one who built the planets and the stars and my eyeballs and the epiglottis is going, and I wanna build a church with you. So life point belongs to Jesus, built by Jesus, led by Jesus, pastored by your pastors, but stewarded by all of us. And if God is a God of order and structure, then we are a church with order and structure, which means our vision has order and structure. We love being a church on mission to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. Everybody say hi to Nate. Thank you for that. On their behalf, thank you so much. Nate's doing a great job. He's my, uh, Stephanie's my new admin and he is unbelievable. So we thank God for Nate. We love being a church on mission to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. This is the what we do, right? We talked about this last Sunday. If you missed that message, go get the sermon. This is what we do. It's the only thing we do, and it's all that we focus on. But then you go, well, how do we do that? How many of you know a a dream without a strategy is just a dream? I wanna be president one day. Well, you should get a job. (laughs) I wanna own my own business. You should start working. (laughs) Just have a work ethic. My friend that said, I wanna be a millionaire. I just never forget, he said, the lady told me, well, you need to start putting money aside. She said, nobody wakes up thinking about giving you their money. I was like, that is brilliant. Nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, how can I give my money to make other people's dreams come true? Except the Lord, amen. We like to say the mission of our church is what we do, but the vision of our church is the steps and the plan we follow that allow us to do it. So this is our Vision, everybody, I wanna introduce you to it. And we, we believe God is an ordered and structured God, so we are gonna be an ordered and structured church. So we do four simple things and we f- obsess over these four things that we do in order to do this one thing. We have four steps to get to this goal. And let me tell you before I tell you what it is, where it comes from. It's based directly out of the scripture multiple times in Matthew's gospel and in the, in the epistles of Paul, but first time it shows up specifically is in the book of Exodus. In Exodus chapter six, If you remember in Exodus three, God meets with Moses at the burning bush. He says, Moses, you're gonna go and set my people free. We have that exchange of miracles there with the staff and the snake and all these things. God says, I'll be with you, I'll be with you, I'll be with you. And then in Exodus six, God says to Moses, this is the heart of God for our world too. God says to Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. I've heard, their, I've heard their cries and I've seen their affliction. Did you know that God still sees the, cry, the affliction and hears the cries of the world that we live in, everybody? He still hears that. He still hears about bondage and human trafficking and sexual sin and brokenness and lostness. He still cares about that and he's still listening. And you and I are the new Moses. But here's what he says. Moses, I'm sending you to Egypt to deliver my people and here's what I want you to tell him. He gives him four statements They're I will statements. They're declarations from God. And I don't even know if God says, I'm going to do it, He's going to do it. God says, first, tell the people, I will save you from Egypt. He says, I will rescue you out of the hands of the Egyptians. That's salvation language. He says, I'm going to save you. The first thing is salvation. He says, I will save my people from Egypt. Then he says, I will deliver you from bondage to Egypt. I gotta pause here and just acknowledge. Some people go, well, wouldn't you be set free from bondage of a country if God has rescued you out of it? Hello, they were in that country for 400 years. All they knew was Egyptian life, eating out of the Nile, wearing the the loincloths and the eyeliner. Like all they knew was life in Egypt. And God said, I'll save you out of there, but then I gotta deliver Egypt out of you. And some of us, we've raised our hand to say yes to Jesus, but we haven't raised our hand to say yes to our deliverance. And some of us have lived a whole life far from God, living in spiritual bondage and living outside of the kingdom of heaven. And God says, Welcome to heaven. Now I got to get earth out of you. God says, I'll deliver you. I'll save you from it. And then I'll deliver you from it. Second, third thing he says is, I will redeem you with a mighty outstretched hand and my acts of judgment. Here's what God says if you, we don't use the word redeem. A lot, we use it in purchasing stuff, right? We give money and they give us a product. We've redeemed that money for a product. Or we turn in a gift card, we redeem a gift card. Redemption in the Bible means to take something broken, destroyed or jacked up and rework it for good and for glory. It's, it's taking a vase that's shattered and turning it into a new piece of artwork into some other format, right? God says, I will take your life, I'll take your triumphs and your defeats, I'll take your ups and downs, I'll take your brokenness, your wounds, your scars, everything about you, he says, I'll put my hand on it and I'll rework it for good. God says, I'll redeem you with mighty outstretched hand and then he says, and I'll fulfill you. He actually goes on to say and tell them I will be their God and they will be my people and the fulfillment of the life of the Israelites is that they would walk in intimacy with God like God intended in the garden again. So God makes this promises. He says, I'll save you, I'll deliver you, I'll redeem you, I'll fulfill you. And we built our whole church around these four things. And I want you to understand the vision of your church because it's your vision as your church too. The first thing we do is Sunday services because we wanna help people know God. We wanna invite people to salvation. We wanna say, hey, you're living in Egypt. Hey, you're living in bondage. Hey, you're living far from God. And we still, still believe that the front door of the church is a Sunday morning. It's the biggest thing we do. This is when we worship. We lift up the name of the Lord, we preach his word, and we invite everybody to commit their lives to be fully devoted followers of Christ. You notice in our church every week, we invite people to say, God, I'm all in, I give my life to Jesus. Because the first focus in the front door of our church is about salvations. because our primary focus is to get you in the family of God. Now people get saved in other ways, I get that, but church on Sundays is still the most frequent way for people to know God to be saved. The second thing we do here, and it's the best thing we do, is our small groups. Why? Remember what God said, I'll save you out of Egypt and then I'll deliver you from bondage to Egypt. Some of us need to get around some other folks that are doing life and doing Christianity just a little bit ahead of us to learn to walk in deliverance. You might have gotten saved this weekend with 20-year addiction Lifestyle, but you're gonna need to go through some programming. You're gonna need to get through some discipleship. You're gonna need some spiritual mamas and daddies to hold your hand, to walk with you, to pray with you, to see your deliverance come to full pass. Y'all hear what I'm saying, everybody? So this is where we do old school stuff, like potlucks, come on Jesus. How many of y'all remember church dinners after church? This is where we do discipleship, pastoral care, fellowship, this is where your best friends are gonna be at LifePoint Church. This is where we lay hands on each other and pray for healing, deliverance, and to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian needs accountability, relationship, prayer group, and that's what your small group is for. It's about deliverance, it's about setting you free from the pain of this world and the life that you've been living. So I'll get you saved, I'll get you delivered. Third thing is we wanna see you redeemed, and that's what our Next Steps class is built around. That's a whole class designed to help you discover you've got talents, gifts, or stories of pain and triumph, and God can use all of it. God can turn your life around for good. Romans eight twenty eight said, he works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his plan. I, I want you to understand, God can use every part of who you are for divine purpose. And our class meets every Sunday to help you begin the process of discovering God has a plan for your life. God has purpose for you, and he's got design for you. So I wanna invite you to join that Next Steps class and connect with God's purpose for you. Listen, it's designed to start that conversation and help you realize that there are things in you that God can use. The fourth thing that we do, remember, I'll save you, I'll deliver you, I'll redeem you, and then I'll fulfill you. The life of fulfillment is a life of intimacy, of relationship, and of mutual servitude. God is always serving us, and we wanna always serve him. Can I hear an amen, everybody? And our dream team is to be a place where you can find fulfillment, serving God by serving others. This is where everybody gets to do ministry. I am not the only minister of this church. I'm not the only preacher of this church. We're all in ministry. We have so many teams for you to find fulfillment. Give yourself to the Lord in praise and thanks to God. How many of you know he's done so much for us? We need a way to give back to him. Can I hear an amen, everybody? So we literally have multiple thousands that attend our church right now. In fact, we're about five or 6,000 on the weekend at our Rossview, our Austin P campus between the, the two local and then our online is even more than that. But right now we have about 20%, around a 1,000, who serve our church in a given month. Have you ever heard of the Pareto principle? It's a human, uh, like it's a sociological principle that says, Usually in any organization, 20% of the people do 100% of the work. Can I ask spirit-led Christians to beat Pareto principle and just obey God and let's do what he says? Because he wants you and I to find fulfillment by being people who serve him and serve other people. Can I get an amen from somebody in the church today? So we have a God of order and structure, and we've got a church that we're, we're, we're building with the Lord with order and structure. We do Sundays in small groups, Next Steps and Dream Team because God wants to save us, deliver us, redeem us and fulfill us. So I wanna ask you finally, would you join the vision of your church? Would you join? And the reason I'm asking you like this is because I know that a lot of you don't join the vision. Many of you join a part of the vision, specifically the bulk of you join the Sunday part of the vision. And I'm so glad you're here on Sundays. But honestly, I'm ready for you to take your next steps to move into the rest of the vision of our church. I, I double dog dare you. Remember the Christmas story out in the winter, put the tongue on a pole? I double dog, you can't back off, I double dog dare. I double dog dare every one of you to take a step today into the vision of our church specifically. And I wanna, I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Do me a favor, grab your phones. I can see you, not do it. So please grab your phone, everybody in the room right now. Grab your phone. If you're watching online, grab your smartphone. Come on, let's go, move, move, move. I love it, arms crossed, people just shaking their head laughing. They're like, he's cute up there asking me to do it. Don't tell me what to do. America, anyway, grab your phone. (laughs) Open your camera if you're on the front row uh, or if you'd rather do it by camera or touch the sticker on the seat back in front of you and we've built a survey for you. Now there may be like a single step you gotta take if you've not been in our database yet um, but grab your phone and touch this right now. Come on, everybody, I'm looking at you, I can see you. I'm about to get Nate up here to start taking names. Come on, touch the sticker on the seat back in front of you or scan the QR code. And what you do when you, when you do that, it opens you up to a page that is a survey for you. Now I'm asking everybody to do this and, and survey with me. If you, Again, you, you have to take one step if you've never put your name or phone number in our system and then they'll send you a link with the code and then you can come right back but we put a survey together of the next steps for everyone in our church. Now the first four are the four that I just taught you. And then the next six are things that we just think are important at LifePoint, and I just wanna challenge you. Maybe you've done the first four and you're in the system that way, but you've got some other steps to take. So let me just show you what these are. The first option for you, and you can check as many as apply, and then hit submit. And we are gonna follow up with you this week on how to take those next steps. So please take the survey and fill it out with us. The first option is faithful Sunday attendance. I don't know, when I became a Christian, I decided I'm gonna go to church for the rest of my life. I just decided. It wasn't like a three-month trial run. Can I just ask every Christian who loves Jesus to belong to his church faithfully for the rest of your life? But let's start with 2024. I'm going for it. 52 Sundays this year, I'm gonna be at church. Amen, everybody. Second thing, I'm gonna join a small group. Some of you are like, man, that's the thing I just have. I'm not comfortable with people I don't know. Well, they're not comfortable with you either. So get in there and let's get comfortable. But everybody you know now, you didn't know once. So let's get over that and let's get in a small group. That's where discipleship happens and this is the year we're gonna do it. The third one, and listen, the third and fourth one, I I know 85% of you need to do this. We need to go through our Next Steps class and we need to get on a dream team. And today, just tap those little squares and we're gonna help you. We're gonna walk you through it and we're gonna guide you and then you're gonna Come and, and take the step. But these are the first four things of our vision. And I just wanna make sure, listen, everybody in our church should have done these things because it's your church. It's your vision. I've already done them. So I don't, need to, I don't even need this sermon for me because I already believe in this. Okay, number five. Hey, if you got kids, let's dedicate our kids to Jesus. Come on, let's have child dedication. Wasn't that encouraging this morning, everybody? I just wanna say that may be a next step for you. And I don't really care how old they are. Bring your 18-year-old son up here. He's grown with a beard. Say, man, I should have done it sooner. Put your hand on it, Pastor. We are gonna pray, dedicate your kids to the Lord. We do that every two months on the second Sunday of the month, just so you're tracking. So sign up to dedicate your kids. We'll send you a, a feedback. Let's go, this is the year I'm gonna be a consistent 10% tither. I'm gonna trust God. I'm gonna orient my budget in a way. I'm gonna go to financial peace. By the way, we give that away to you for free, so we'd love for you to have that to get all the coaching you need. But this is the year we're gonna do it. Did you know everything God wants to do with us, he'll pay for it, if we will be faithful in tithing. Did you know that? It's a true story. All right, number seven, let's get baptized. Come on, if you ain't been baptized as a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Some people say, well, I was baptized as a kid, I grew up Catholic, Anglican. The problem with that, look, I'm grateful that you had that experience. The Bible says, Peter said, repent of your sins and then be baptized. So I don't know about you as a baby, I would not repent of nothing. So I wanna encourage you, if you've become a Christ follower, and not been water baptized, let's take that next step. It's always the first Sunday of the month here. Here's one that's gonna make some people mad. I don't really care, because I love you. If you are living together, unmarried, with your girlfriend or boyfriend, or you are shacking up on the weekends and having sleepovers, basically, if you're doing married life without the ring ring, come on, no ding ding without the wedding ring, come on, everybody. (laughs) If you like it, then you shoulda put a ring on it. Hey, guys, listen. People say, well, I can't afford, we we got a place to save money. Would you rather save money or honor God? Because God's word says, flee from sexual immorality. Quit having sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend. And if you're meant to be together, just get married. Well, I gotta wait 12 months to have a glorious wedding for my grandmother. How about you honor Jesus? Let's go for it. Come on, this is the year of weddings. We are gonna get a ton of folks wed up in here and married or broke up. That's the option that the apostle Paul gives us. Hey, he says, flee from sexual immorality. In the same paragraph, next paragraph, he goes, and if you can't control your passion, then get married. He said, I'd rather you get married than burn in sin. It's time, folks, let's grow up. Because we're all in. Why you call me Lord, Lord, and I do what I say? Hey, I want 500 of y'all to join our Austin P campus. Let's go. Let's go rock that campus for Jesus. Let's go overwhelm that campus, student population. Let's go help pastors Jordan and Aaron reach the campus for Jesus. Let's go. Okay. Last thing is I need to serve, sign up for a serve project. We we had about 3,000 of us participate in the serve projects during the tornadoes. That's phenomenal. And there's another 3,000 of us. We're ready for you to join the serve team as well. So come on, we got a lot to do. We got a lot of vision. We got a lot of ways to go forward as a church. How many of you love the vision of our church, everybody? Man, let's be about the church. Let's be about the church that God is all about. Be about advancing the gospel, the mission of God. I gotta wrap up because we're running late. Please go get your kids quickly and kindly, and let me pray for you. You and I don't build God's church, but we're called to belong to the church that God is building, and we believe our God has structure and order, and he's given us this structure and order, and we're gonna flow with him because he's a good God and we believe in him. So Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would move us by your Holy Spirit into the vision of your church. Thank you, Lord, that you've called us to this church. God, there are great churches all around this city and every church that professes Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God, you can work with and you're building. And I pray in Jesus' name that God, we would reassure, we would reaffirm our confession that Christ is Lord over all and Lord over us, Lord over this church. God, you have a plan and a system and a strategy for LifePoint. And Lord, we wanna commit ourselves to it. I pray for every person hearing this message that every person would take that survey and take their next step. Jesus would be very confrontive at times to tell people their next step and they had to choose whether they'd follow it or not. God, I pray that every one of us would follow the leading of Christ on this. Lord, thank you for building your church with us. Thank you, Lord, the same God who creates the heavens and the earth is building a great church and you've chosen to use imperfect people like us. Lord, we reaffirm our commitment to Jesus. If you've never said yes to Christ, right now is your day. This is the moment. I want to ask everyone in the room to pray this with me. Say, God, I believe in you. I believe in Jesus Christ, that He died for my sin, that He raised from the dead to give me new life. I ask for your forgiveness. I confess my sins. I receive your salvation in Jesus' name. Now say this and mean it. Everybody in the church, God, I'm all yours. I'm all yours. I'm all in for the rest of my life in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Amen. We hope that you've been inspired and challenged by today's message. If you'd like to grow in your walk with Jesus, stay connected, or partner with us through generosity, be sure to visit our website at lifepointchurch.tv. We hope that you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next Sunday.